won't matter because at the end of the day, it was the scars of Jesus Christ that healed our scars. And so, Father, as we come today, thank you for helping us receive the engrafted word that is able to save our souls. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody say amen. Amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. We're in a series entitled Scars. Everybody say Scars. And this is our last lesson in the series. And so if you're watching us for the very first time, I want you to go back and start from where we started, which was at the beginning of the month, because these lessons have been layered. And so the purpose of the series has been to help us identify and address areas where there is pain or where there are unresolved issues that cause pain. And hopefully by the end of the series, you and I will have enough strength, enough faith, and enough boldness to address some issues that have been unresolved. Say amen to that. So if you're taking notes today, our message topic is beautiful scars. Beautiful scars. And the goal of today's message is to help everyone see that regardless of what has scarred you, there is beauty on one side of it. Now, see, it depends on how you see things. Uh, Melinda Miller, when she went through COVID, she had to get a ventilator, and so she has a scar right here. But if you look at it, to you, that scar may be a scar. But when I see it, it's beautiful because it saved her life. So it's our viewpoint of scars which I'm going to help us really go through today. And so we define a scar as a mark left by a healed wound, sore, or burn. A scar is a, it's left by a healed wound, sore, or burn. And I like that because that means if I have a scar, that means I've been healed. The problem is most of us may have been physically healed but we may not have been emotionally or mentally healed. And so here's a take-home statement that I want to give you right up front. And if you're taking notes, we have the notes available online. And if you came in the house and you don't have some notes, our ushers are waving them right now. You can get these notes with all of the verses that I'm giving you. But here's a take-home statement that I want you to think through. We feel the pain from our scars, but Jesus' pain healed our scars. I'm going to say that again. We feel the pain from our scars... But Jesus' pain healed our scars. His divine scars are proof, watch this now, that he made us right with God. And so what I'm going to show you today is help you understand that the spiritual implications that Jesus went through actually helps us in our physical issues in life. Now, the New Living Translation of Romans chapter 5 verse 1 says this, Therefore, everybody say therefore. When you see the word therefore, you need to see what it's there for. He says, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight. Just look at your neighbor and say, I've been made right in God's sight. He says, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, then watch this. We have peace with God. Why? Because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. And here's the issue. Most of us don't believe we have been made right because we don't feel right. And the only reason we don't feel right is because, watch this, we don't have a revelation that spiritual healing is the cure for emotional healing. 
Oh, I'm going to say that again. The reason most of us don't seem like we've been made right is because we don't feel right. And the reason we don't feel right is because we don't have a revelation that spiritual healing, everybody say spiritual healing. Spiritual healing is the cure for emotional healing. Listen to the New Living Translation of 2 Corinthians 5.21. He says, for God made Christ who never sinned, watch this, to do what? To be the offering for our sin. Why? So that we could be what, church? Made right with God through Christ. Here's a second take-home statement. If you made right, you don't have to get it right. I'm going to say that again. If you've been made right, you don't have to get right. See, that's the problem. Most people don't come to Jesus Christ because they want to get right when God wants to make them right. You will never get your life right enough to make Jesus the Lord of your life. It's not going to happen. All the things that you try, oh, I need to stop doing this, I need to stop doing this, I need to stop doing this. No, he didn't ask you to stop doing all that. Listen, he's going to make you right. You don't have to get right. Say amen to that, church. We have been made right, not gotten right. So what's the difference? So if I had a blanket up here, let's just use my, my handkerchief. Let's say my handkerchief had a hole in it, Right? And I decided to have this handkerchief patched. And I got another handkerchief, cut a hole in it, and patched it to this handkerchief. Now, I really got it right, but it wasn't made right. And see, that's what we try to do. We try to patch it up. But see, that's not what God did. He didn't patch us up with Jesus. He didn't get us right. He made us right. Everybody say, he didn't get us right. He made us right. In other words, if I've been made right, then I'm made that way. I'm created that way. This is why you cannot work for salvation. Because if you do, you take credit for it. And let me just say this to all of you people who believe that you have to work for your salvation after the fact. Because we do have believers that believe that you get saved by faith through grace. In other words, you can't earn it. But then when you get saved, now you believe you have to maintain your salvation by how you act. Okay, so if you have to maintain your salvation by how you act, then that means you're earning it because you're trying to maintain it. Oh, yeah, okay. Well, you say, well, Pastor, I don't need to act right. Well, see, no, see, this is where now you act right because you love God. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Not if you're afraid you're going to go to hell. See, that's the problem. Some of y'all only stayed saved because you thought you was going to go to hell. Anyway, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says this. This means that anyone, everybody say anyone. Anyone who belongs to Christ, watch this now, has become a new person. You weren't patched up. He says you became a new person. Watch this. The old life is what? Gone. And a new life has begun. The message translation says this. Now we look inside and what we see is that anyone united with the Messiah gets a fresh start. It's created new. The old life is gone and a new life virgins the problem with most people is that they try to feel right instead of knowing that they've been made right 
See, one is me trying to get it right by myself, and the other one is believing that God has made me right. And here's the thing about your feelings. If you do the right thing long enough, your feelings will catch up with you. Have you ever didn't want to go to work? And you made yourself get up. You made yourself get out of the bed. You got in the shower. You do whatever you do. And then eventually, along the way, somewhere in the day, your feelings caught up with your actions. Right? I hope it did. Well, after salvation, listen, God does not expect us to live a perfect life. And that's what most people strain becomes. This is why a lot of people don't become a Christian. Because they feel like they have to maintain their life after the fact. When, listen, God does not, uh, he does not expect us to live a perfect life. Jesus died for that. He's expecting us to live a perfected life. That's different. You said, well, what's the, a perfect life is you can't do nothing wrong. A perfected life. That's like where we are like wine and we get better with time. Come on, my wine drinker, say amen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's okay. They call Jesus the wine bibble too, so it's all right. It's all right. He doesn't expect us to live a perfect life. He expects us to live a perfected life. That means I get better as time goes on. Ephesians 4.11 said, And God gave some apostles, some prophets, some uh, evangelists, some pastors, some teachers, watch this, for the perfecting of the saints. That word perfected means a process to completely equip the saints to do the work of ministry. So here's the question as we jump into the meat of today's lesson. How do you and I view our scars as beautiful when the inside of us Still feel the pain from the scar. That's the question. So here's point number one if you're taking notes. Jesus still heals scars. Everybody say Jesus still heals scars. Let's look in Luke chapter 4 verse 18. This is one of the first uh, messages, if you want to call it that, that Jesus had. I'm going to start in verse 18. I'm reading out the King James Version. It says, the Spirit, this was Jesus talking... He says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he, the spirit of the Lord, has anointed me to preach the gospel to who? The poor. Now, sometimes we just like run by that. But my question to you is, what is the gospel to a poor person? I mean, think about it. If you were in the grocery store and a very poor person was in front of you and they had too much grocery items and not enough money and you use some of your money to help buy their stuff, would that make them happy? Okay, so then that means good news to a poor person is you don't have to be poor or you got somebody who will meet your needs. Amen. He has sent me, Jesus, to heal. And that word heal means to make whole. He came to heal who? The what? Broken hearted. How many of you had your heart broken? Let me see your hand. All right. Now, if you don't have your hand up, maybe you the one breaking hearts. I mean, somewhere in life, you got hurt somewhere. Right? He says he came to heal, make whole the brokenhearted. And the word brokenhearted means the person has a, that has been crushed completely to shattering. He says he came to preach deliverance to the captives. He came to bring recovering of the sight to the blind. 
He came to set at liberty, that means deliverance, and to free those who have been bruised. And that word bruised means those who have been broken into pieces. And then he says he came to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And then he closed the book. He gave it again to the minister. He sat down. All the eyes that were in the place or on the, in the synagogue were fastened on him. Verse 21. And he began to say unto them, this day, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. Listen to the message translation of verse 21. And he rolled up the scroll. He handed it back to the assistant. He sat down. Every eye in the place was on him intent. Verse 21. Then he started in. You ever had somebody start in on you? You just wake up. They start in on you. He, he started in. You've just heard scripture making history. Read this part with me. It came true just now in this place. So here's the thing. What if what happened, let me say it like this. If what happened then, if it was true, because he said it came true just now in this place. So if what happened then was true then, then that means what happened then has to be true now. Hebrews 13, 8, watch this. It says Jesus Christ, he's the same what, church? Yesterday and Today and, okay, so watch this now. That represents the past. That's where most of us got scars from. But then he didn't just leave it there. He said, no, he's the same yesterday. And then he said, today. That represents what? The presence. So even if you get scarred on your way out, because you know that can happen. Especially if your usher didn't give you your seat. <laughs> Sister Jones know that that's my seat. Yesterday, he's the same. Today, and then he says, and what else? Forever. That means the future. So whatever Jesus said, when he said that in the synagogue, he came here to do it. It applies to yesterday. That means what's happened to me. It applies to today. And it also applies to tomorrow, which represents my future. And I'm not even in it right now. So what Jesus came to do, watch this now, church, is still in active mode. We just have to activate it. I have a printer at home and it stays on. And when I need to print something, whether it's from my phone, my iPad, or my, my computer, all I have to do is say print. And because of the wireless system in my house, it somehow finds the connection to that printer. Because that printer is in active mode. And see, when Jesus got up and stood up in that synagogue and he says, listen, I've been anointed to heal the brokenhearted and I'm not only anointed to heal them now, I'm here to heal them tomorrow and I'm here, here to heal them yesterday. So that means whatever the condition of my heart is, it doesn't matter what the condition is because he's qualified to deal with all three levels of conditions. Amen. Say amen to that. So here's the thing. When Jesus died, the blood that he shed, which really, what, that's what Easter was about, it gave us access to God whenever and whatever we need to ask him for. So Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, they're going to put it up there. Because you and I, we should never go to God with a guilty mind and a guilty conscience because the blood cleansed you before you got in. Amen. Say amen to that. Amen. Hebrews ten nineteen says, having therefore, brethren, boldness. What did that say? What did that word say? What is it? So I have a friend who uh, owns like a, 
like one of those uh, suites in the the, the new cowboy uh, practice stadium, the, the hotel over there. They got condos, and, and you know, and so they have a they have a like a restaurant and all that. I guess when you buy that, that you have access to. And so he was like, "Hey, Evan, you want to come on? Let me show you around over there." So it's the star. So we go in there, and uh, he don't have his wallet, which has his pass to get in there. He said, "Oh, Evan, I left my wallet." I was like, okay, do we need to go back and get it? He was like, no, I, I, we'll be okay. And I'm thinking, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. So I go with him. And we go up there and there's a lady to check you in. She didn't ask for nothing. He just act like he owned the place. Hey, how you doing? And we just got on the elevator. I was just like, I'm with him. We get up there and he's touring me like he owns that place. And then there was like this, this special room where they put people and in this room. You can eat and watch them practice inside. And so uh, one of the rooms had a sign that said, uh, close for meetings today. He's like, I've never seen that. So he said, let's go in. I'm like, can you read, brother? I'm not trying to go to jail. We don't look alike. I'm not ready to go down. This brother knew he had access and he did it with boldness. It says, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. By a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh. Watch the New Living Translation. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and living giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with, the, with Christ's blood to make us clean and our bodies have been washed with pure water. And then Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly, watch this now, into the throne of grace. Why? So we can obtain mercy and find grace in the time of need. The, li- the living Bible says this, So let us come boldly to the very throne of God and stay there, watch this, to receive his mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. So many people can never see the beauty behind scars because they have never, watch this, gone behind the curtain in prayer and asked God to heal them. You know, I'm, I'm amazed how many people find themselves in some trouble and then they try to get themselves out and never ask God to help them. I was talking to one person, they literally said, well, I got myself in it, I need to get myself out. When the Bible says God is a very present help in time of trouble. Now see, he didn't say how you got in it. He just says, I'll be in there with you. I remember when I, years ago, I don't know, it's been, probably been five years now. Uh, when I had my first, you know, high-end car, right? And uh, it was set up where when you, when you was running, you can put the key in your pocket and leave it running and it'll lock it too. So uh, we was building this building during that time. And so I was parked right up at the front where that ditch, you know where the school is? There's a ditch right there. And I said, I'm just going to run in, talk to the construction manager. And uh, 
and uh, I'm going to run back out. Five, seven minutes, maybe. So I left my car running, but I forgot, you know, I wear shorts a lot. You know, the Jordan shorts, they, everything slides out of your pocket. So the pocket, the, the key slid out of my pocket. I didn't care what was going on. Who's going to steal a Bentley? Who's going to do that? So I went in there, talked to the construction manager. I came out. He says, Pastor, where'd you park? I said, well, I, I, I parked over there. My car was gone. I thought maybe it maybe had like engaged into the drives uh, and maybe it drove into the ditch. So I went to look in the ditch. Car gone. I was like, I be dog. Somebody stole my car. It was gone. And I'll never forget, long story short, people was like, oh, your insurance ain't going to cover that because my cousin, he did that to it. The insurance was like, well, it's your fault. I was like, I ain't your cousin. I got favor on my life. And here's a revelation I'm going to give you. Because, see, a lot of people don't go to the throne because they feel so bad about what they did. He says he will work everything together for your good. Watch this. Even if it's your fault. Whose fault was that that my, my car got stolen? It wasn't the devil. See, sometimes we be blaming. It is not the devil all the time. He did not steal my car. I left the car running with the key in there. I just gave a thief a ride that day. Wasn't the devil. Guess what? God worked it together for good, and I ended up with an upgrade. Somebody say amen to that. So what's my point? My point is this. Most people never see the beauty behind their scars because they've never gone behind the curtain boldly to God in prayer to ask Christ to heal them. So here's point number two. Scars have beauty when they're viewed from God's eyes. Scars have beauty when viewed from God's eyes. God doesn't view our scars from what happened to us, but he views them from what his son did for us. I'm going to say that again. God doesn't view our scars from what happened to us, but he views them from what his son did for us. In other words, God doesn't just see and knows what happened to us, but he sees and knows what has happened for us. First Peter chapter 2 verse 21 says this. But even hereunto were you called. Because Christ also suffered what? What did he do? He suffered what? Who did he suffer for? Okay, so if he suffered for us, why are we suffering? Oh, so you just want to suffer. I mean, you know, uh, if you were in the grocery store and I saw you and I said, hey, listen, buy whatever you want in this store. I don't care if you have 10 baskets. Just If it can fit in your car, you can have it. And I let you just buy, buy, buy. And I tell you, I'm going to get it. I got it. I got it. I got it. Right? Why would you be worrying while you're shopping if I told you I got it? Well, why do we walk around and we still suffer? When it says here, Christ suffered what, church? For us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps. Watch this. Who did no sin, neither was God found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, he reviled not again. When he suffered. When he what, church? 
when he suffered. He threatened not, but he committed himself to him that judges righteously, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness. By whose stripes, watch this now, you what? Hmm. How many took English in high school? Let me see your hand. Okay. The rest of y'all didn't go? What is it? Let me see the hand again. Let me see your hand on camera. If you went to, you went, took English, okay, all right. Maybe you don't understand English, but you took it. He says, by whose stripes you were healed. Question, is were past, present, or future? Past. So if it's past, that means it's done. So it doesn't, so watch this, it doesn't matter what happens to me from this point on. Because it says here, the stripes he took healed me then. So what's the problem? We must renew our minds to God's view so we can see what he sees. And when we can see what God sees, then we can view our scars from the lenses of how he sees it. Because see, your past should be a reference point, not a stopping point. I'm going to say that again. Your past should be a reference point, not a stopping point. So... We must renew our minds. Here's an illustration. Like a car that's been in an accident. So let's say somebody hit you. How many been hit before? Girl, I got hit. Y'all know that one? <laughs> I know what station you listen to. No. Anyway. So somebody hit you. Let's say they messed up the front end of your car, messed up the bumper, messed up your lights, messed up your radiator. And uh, the car was unable to run. So you took the car to the repair place. And they took the time and they repaired your car. You came to pick your car up. You got in your car. They demonstrated to you that the car works. And you get in your car to put it in, to crank it. And your car says, I can't run. Because I was hit. My radiator wasn't working. No. See, that, that's speaking from the past. But see, if they repaired the car, the radiator is no longer busted. It's working properly. Why? Because new parts have been installed and everything has been returned to its previous condition. So if I was healed or if I were healed, that means I am healed, which means now the parts have been fixed. So... The, the car is us. The problem is the reference point has not been fixed, which is the mind. See, the, the condition, or in some cases maybe the repercussions from the scars, should no longer be viewed from what happened to us, but how God used it to work out for us. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. We're going to use this verse and then we're going to do our last point because I'm going to show you something. It says, Romans 8, 28. And we, what's the word? What is it? How many know your name? Let me see your hand if you know your name, if you know it. Okay, you sure you know it? Okay, on the count of three, I want you to tell me your name. One, two, three. Wow, wow, wow. You didn't struggle at all, did you? Did you have to think about it? You didn't have to text your mom and ask her, Mama, what's on my birth certificate? You didn't have to do that. Why, why didn't you have to do that? Because you what? 
Because you know. So watch what he says we ought to know. He says, and we know that some things are what? Okay, so question, what's a thing? That don't leave out nothing. That means that fool that left you, it includes him. That company that fired you, it includes that. The cleaners that messed up your clothes, it includes that too. Glory be to God. <laughs> and we know all things, watch this church, they work together for what? My scars will work together for my good if I trust God with them. He says all things will work together for good to those that love God and to those who are loved, who are called according to his purpose. Now, here's a new version of the Bible. You may not know there's a version that's called the Bible in basic English. They probably don't even have it back there. But this is what it says about Romans 8, 28. And we are conscious that all things are working together for good. We're conscious of that. And see, God uses, listen, God uses our scars, watch this, to, to bless us. And increase us when the enemy uses it to try to break us. So it's my viewpoint that determines how I choose to let the scar bother me or not. So here's a question. Here's the last one. How do we get to the point where my mind matches the mind of Christ? Because see, that's the problem. Again now, Jesus fixed the car. Put new parts on it. We're a new person in Christ Jesus. We get scarred. And now... I feel the scar more than I feel healing. So how do I deal with that? Well, here's point number three. Protocol always precedes promise manifestation. I'm about to see now this right here, what I'm going to share, it'll help you across your life, not just in this area of scars. Because see, there's a certain way that God works. And if we just learn how that works, then it'll work every single time. See, faith works for socks just like it does for a car. It don't matter. If you can use faith to believe for some socks, then you can believe, you can have that same faith and believe God for healing. So God is a God, y'all already know this part, but God is a God of principles, protocol, and promises. Everybody say principles, protocol, and promises. And the principles is what he wants us to do. Those those are the instructions, okay? Uh, He says, uh, I want you to serve. That's an instruction. So the principles are what he wants us to do. The protocol is how he wants us to go about doing it. Because see, God's not like us. He, he wants us to know exactly how he wants us to do things because he's got something in mind. So the principle is what he wants us to do. The protocol is how he wants us to go about doing it. Here's a good example. Remember Joshua and they were walking around the wall of Jericho. He gave them protocol. He said, listen, I want you to walk around that place seven times. And I don't want you to say nothing. But then on the last time, he says, I want you to, you know, they're going to blow the trumpet. Y'all going to shout or whatever. The word. That was protocol. And then the promises, of course, are the blessings that come when we follow his process. So how do we apply this to scars? Watch this now. Well, physically and spiritually, Jesus has done his part. He don't have to do nothing else. Because if he did, every time we needed something, he would have to go die again and come back. No, everything that Jesus has done physically and spiritually, he's been done. So 
All we have to do now is follow the pattern that God uses and he's already set up for us to get what we need to get. So here's the first one. Everything starts with the desire. So now I'm talking about now overcoming these emotional scars. The feelings that you have on the inside that, that, that still have created pain. And see, pain comes from memories. But memories come from me choosing to decide what I want to think about. Can I tell you something you may not really believe? You're really in charge of your own life. Yeah. Yeah. Everything. Everybody say everything. Everything starts with a desire. You cannot do anything without a desire. Oh, let me use it like this. Everything starts with a thought. Okay? When you want to slap somebody, it's because you had a thought about it. It starts with a desire. Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you what, church? Desire. When you do what? Pray. Believe you receive them. And what's going to happen? You shall have them. So watch this. So first you got to have a desire to want that emotional pain removed from your life. You got to want that. You know, misery loves company, right? Sometimes it just feels good to feel bad. feel good to feel bad kind of because then let me tell you how you know i know feeling bad makes people feel good because when you're feeling like that you you recruit people girl you know what happened to me and oh this happened you're recruiting you're feeling good about feeling bad so you want to tell everybody and you want to become an evangelist so Everything starts with a desire. Here's number two. You and I must consciously, watch this, use our words that matches our desire to be spoken. We must, we must consciously use words that matches our desire. Most people don't do that. What they say they desire is not matches, doesn't match what they say. So they go to God and say, oh Lord, I desire to be healed. And then when they walk out, they don't say nothing about that. Everything that they say outside of prayer, because if you have to pray it, you need to say it. But see, most people, let me ask you a question. Do you spend more time praying or saying? Saying, right? I mean, you don't, I mean, hopefully everybody prays something, right? Well, I don't care if you pray an hour a day. I know you talk more than that. So your praying does not outweigh your saying. So if my saying outweighs what I was praying, what I'm praying ain't going to happen because I ain't saying it. So my words have to match my desire. This is why in Genesis 1, I'm showing you the principles of how it works. In the beginning, what did it say? What did it say? In the beginning, God did what? He created the heavens and the earth. Well, let's see how he did that. The earth was formed without void. Darkness was on the face of the deep. Spirit of God was moving on the face of the waters. And then what happened? God said. How did he bring the earth here? What did he do? Said it. John 1, 1, in the beginning, notice both of those verses say in the beginning. That means from the start. That means if you're going to be healed, you've got to start this process just like I'm telling you. He says, in the beginning was the what? It didn't say in the beginning was my feelings. In the beginning was my past. In the beginning was my ex. In the beginning was my job. In the beginning was my boss. None of that stuff. In the beginning was the what? Word. And the word was what? With God. And the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him and without him nothing was made. Watch verse 14. And the word, what word? The word that was in the beginning was made flesh. 
You will literally see what you say if you say what you want to see. Here's number four or number three. You and I must know that eventually what I say, I will believe. And here's where the problem is. Because we don't feel it, we don't say it. But you're not going to see it until you say it. The New Living Translation of Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess, what does confess mean? Say, if you say with your what? Mouth that Jesus is Lord and then do, do what? Which one comes first, believing or saying? You know why? Because you believe what you say. That's why some people, they don't remember how old they are because they've been lying all the time. They have to ask their husband or wife, baby, how old am I? Because they've been lying about it so long. They confessed it and confessed it and confessed it. Now they believe it. They don't even know what they believe. Romans 10, 13. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So watch this now. Here's the fourth one. The principles of promise manifestation says this. Faith plus works plus patience equals promise manifestation. I'm going to say that again. Faith plus works plus patience equals promise manifestation. You may say, well, pastor, what's the works? If I'm asking for healing, what's the work side of that? The work side is to open up your mouth and declare that you were healed. That's the work side. Hebrews 6, 12, that you be not slow for, but followers of those who through faith and patience, through faith and patience, they inherit the promise. And let me just add this. When you go to the throne and you ask God to heal you, you need to forgive. Here's why. Forgiveness. Everybody say forgiveness. When you forgive others, forgiveness is so important because this is where I release the wrong or the sins of others. But if I don't release their sins, the Bible says if you release it, it's released. If you retain their sin, it's retained. So watch this. So I'm going to the throne. My sins may be covered, but theirs is not because I took them in there with me. And maybe this is why when you look at Mark 11, 24, the next thing Jesus says, he talks about forgiveness. So maybe we have not been healed because we have not forgiven. Hmm. So I want to pray a prayer today because we're going to move. Y'all going to like the next series. I I forgot that it's 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 emotional estate I'm going to walk us through how to have healthier emotions but anyway here's what I want to do because some of you all need to leave today free you need to just let because so here's what we're going to do together we're going to do it together but we're going to do it individually I need you to Pull up in your memory what has happened to, to scar you. If, you. if you know it still is creating some pain, I, I need you to surface it. In fact, just close your eyes right there at your seat. If you're watching me, just close your eyes right there at home. I want you to surface that thing. Some of you all are going to feel some physical pain from it. Because just thinking about it, it hurts. Your arm might start hurting. Your leg, your back may start hurting. You, you may start developing a migraine. Don't pay attention to that. Those are just symptoms from the source. And here's what we're going to do. 
we're going to go boldly to the throne because that's what that's what I taught you today. We're going to go boldly to the throne and we're going to ask God to do something about this. We're going to go to the throne where Christ is sitting on the right hand of the Father. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We're going to ask Him to use that same healing power that He did back then to do it right now. Hallelujah. I want you to make what I'm going to pray your prayer. Heavenly Father, we come today before your presence. We know that we only have access because of the sinless shed blood of Jesus Christ. So therefore, we come boldly because we need you to do something we can't do. Many of us have scars that have not been healed because we have not come to ask you to heal us. Maybe some of us have come and we ask you to heal us, but we didn't line our desires up with, with the words that we spoke and with your, what your word says. And so we come today with permission from our high priest, Jesus Christ, to ask you to heal us, deliver us, save us, help us from anything that has caused pain in our lives. And right there at your seat, right there in your home, I want you to release that thing to him. I want you to say a prayer. You don't even have to say it out loud. I want you to say it on the inside. And I want you to give him what that thing is. Or those things. Or those people. Those events. Whatever it is. I want you to give it to him. You say, well, Pastor, I've been having it for a long time. It doesn't matter today. We're going to give this to him. Father, we release pain. We release trauma. We release people who feel like they were abandoned as a baby. Some people who feel a, who were adopted, but they still don't feel like they were connected. Even though they were, I'm talking to somebody right now, you were raised by a loving family who adopted you, but for some reason you've allowed that, that spirit to make you feel like that no one loved you. They did love you. God loved you enough to put a family in your life. Don't let what you didn't have keep from what you did get. Father, I pray today, let today be a day of releasing the past and the pain. I want you to say out loud, say, Lord, I release the pain. I release the past. And I accept now and I receive the future you have for me. Strengthen me today, Lord, to walk out my healing so that I'm able to go back and strengthen others who need healing. Thank you for delivering me and saving me in Jesus' name. Amen. Baby here, still bow. Here's my question. If you die today, are you sure you go to heaven? Because if you're not sure you go to heaven.